And so uh, we're going to continue our series in Hebrews chapter 11 and step out if you want to get a head start there um, and praise God for all that he is doing there and praise God that he is sovereign over everything. Our God never makes a mistake. Amen. He's in control now and he, he's in control and he always will be even when technology is not our friend. And so this morning when the worship team was warming up, the, the bulb went out in the projector, hence no projection this morning. But if you want to go to harvestanapolis.org slash bulletin, or you can get there faster by scanning the QR code on the seat back in front of you or scanning the QR code on the bottom of your sermon notes, it will take you to the online bulletin where you will find lyrics for the songs, notes for the sermon and announcements for the week, in addition to an all, also a place to, to do giving and whatnot. And thank you for your generous giving um, and that really st- that God is using in a profound way as he builds his church here. I want to encourage you to continue to, if you call Harvest Your Home, continue to come alongside us in that way and worship through giving. Uh, we're a little bit behind in May, so if you want to, if you, but if you, don't, if you don't consider Harvest Your Home, if this is your first time here, please don't feel obligated to give, but if this is your home, please give and give generously. Man, God is working, amen. Our worship is not contingent on technology, our worship, we worship God because of Jesus' victory. And in my experiences, when technology goes down, that, w- that was awesome. That was not planned. <laughs> that God wants to move powerfully. And I believe he wants to move powerfully today. Um, and so the cry of my heart is that God would do whatever he wants to do and that he would say whatever he wants to say, and that I would just get out of the way, that you would get out of the way. And we're going to have an opportunity for prayer at the end, prayer in groups, pray for breakthrough, uh, just so you know that that's coming, because I believe that God wants to break through for you today. Um, and we're going to see that our God is a God who does the impossible today, and not just then, but now. And I pray that he would move in your heart in life, that we have the humility to go before God boldly and ask that he would move powerfully, because as we will see in the text, nothing is impossible for our God. So whatever is you walked in here with, just know that God wants to meet you here today. And I'm just so thankful that you're here or joining us online. But here's the reality, waiting is hard, is it not? I struggle to wait. I'm probably the only person in the room that struggles to wait, right? Um, But I struggle to wait. I I run an analytics profile in my mind when I go to the grocery store, which line is the shortest, right? I I try to get in the right traffic lane, and I get, uh, how dare you have the audacity to come in front of me and actually go to the speed limit, okay? That's an issue for my own heart, right? Um, But we're waiting at the grocery store to hurry up. We're waiting for Mr. Wright to show up. We're waiting for the doctor to come on and give us the diagnosis. We're waiting on hold for who knows how long and what feels like purgatory to actually talk to a real human being, right? When you have to call the cable company or the electric company or somebody in the office. Did you know the statistics show the average person spends two to three years of their life in a line? Two weeks of your life waiting at a red light? 43 days of your life on hold? And you know that one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray is, God, please teach me patience, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't just give you patience. He gives you the opportunity to be patient. So what are you waiting on this morning? We're all waiting. Big things, small things. Many of us are waiting with bated breath. Maybe it's a call from the doctor to see how the latest test results were. Maybe it's you're waiting for the the orders from the military to come to figure out where you're going to move. Maybe you're waiting for a reconciliation in a relationship or for God to, to, to really heal a deep hurt in your heart. 
Maybe you're waiting for a promotion at your job or clarity on the future, financial provision or relief, breakthrough in a battle with addiction, or just hope, peace, joy, because it feels like forever that you've been content. Friends, I'm just so thankful that I, and I pray for that today would be the day that your waiting stops that God would meet you in where you are and that you would no longer wait for the deepest heartfelt need in your heart, which is Jesus Christ. That no matter what your external circumstances are in life, that God would meet you where you are and give you peace where you are. As we continue our our step out series today from Hebrews 11, we're gonna see what it looks like to wait with biblical faith. And we're gonna see what it looks like to not wait with biblical faith. As we're gonna meet a a woman by the name of Sarah, who has been waiting a very, very long time for something that God had promised her, to be free of something that was a source of great shame to her, and to experience something that she thought was physically impossible for her. But God, what in your life have you given up hope on would actually happen? Sarah had given up hope, but you know who never gave up hope? Because even when we give up on God, God never gives up on us. Praise God. Amen. He wants to work in that place in your heart that you've given up hope on today. He wants to meet you where you are. In Sarah's example, we're going to find someone that I think we can all relate to. I I relate to her very well because she struggles in her faith journey. She struggles in the waiting, and I struggle in the waiting. She struggles to to surrender control, and there are moments in her life where she tries to regain control. She struggles to lean on God. In fact, she, she laughs at God, literally. And maybe in your life, you're laughing at God today too, or you're trying to regain control of something so much because you're tired of waiting, or you're tired of trusting, or in fact, in reality, your, life, your heart is filled with doubting. That what God's will is for you is actually what's best for you because you think you know what is best for you. But friends, we're going to see in the text today, and I pray that you would see in your heart and life today, these realities that God, even while we're waiting, God is always working on you, God is always working in you, and God is always working for you, for his best in your life, amen? And while we wait, sometimes the waiting is for God's protection over you. Sometimes the waiting is for his sanctification. Sometimes his waiting and always is for his glorification. So waiting is hard, but in the middle of our heart and our hurt, God offers hope. So I pray that you would experience that hope. Don't waste your waiting. The big idea you'll see on your notes is this, that setting my heart on God's faithfulness empowers me to persevere for God's purposes. Setting my heart on God's faithfulness empowers me to persevere for God's purposes. Persevere in the waiting, persevere in the obeying, persevere in the believing. So I pray that today we would change the focus of our hearts and our minds to God's faithfulness away from our circumstances, in the middle of our circumstances. Stop allowing the circumstances to be at the center, but put God back where he belongs in the center and watch him work in a big way. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just pray that you would just move in this place. I believe with all my heart that you want to do a mighty work in our hearts, in my heart, in the life of everyone in this room. God, we're waiting. We're waiting on you. And I just pray that you would move in a mighty way, that, that more than waiting on our circumstances, God, we would choose today to, to wait on Christ, to look to Christ, to experience the hope that we have on the journey as we wait. 
God, that, that the belief and the faith and the reality of your character doesn't change even when our circumstances do. And God, I just pray that you would teach us how to wait on you, teach us how to obey you, teach us how to follow you, keep, teach us how to keep moving even when we can't see it, teach us how to keep trusting even when we don't believe it, and keep us how to keep, keep uh, just loving you and worshiping you even when we doubt it. And Father God, I just pray that you would just move in a mighty way, that you would just provide breakthrough and hope, God, in the middle of all of our circumstances today. Holy Spirit, silence my words and may your words flow. God, I pray that you would just do the mighty work that you want to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we have some in your back. We would love for you to have it. Hebrews is about two-thirds of the way through the Bible, um, and it's in the New Testament. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 through 16 today. And we're going to also spend some time in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And so here we go. By faith, this is uh, the word of the Lord as written by the, the author of Hebrews. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Praise God. So last week, we saw the redemptive reality that God called Abram, and he sent him for, to a new country. He sent him on a mission, and he gave him a promise. The missional mandate of the church said that many nations would come from Abram, that, that God would bless Abram to be a blessing to others. And we're going to continue on that faith journey today with the family of Abram as we look at Sarah, his wife. Now, Abram was 75 when God met him in Haran and gave him this promise. There's only one problem. You remember, remember what that problem was with the promise for Abram? While he was promised to have many nations come from him, and nations means people, God's people, he could not even have one child at the moment because Sarah, his wife, was barren. It means she could not have a child. She was unable to physically at that moment have a child, at least as man saw it and diagnosed it. But, but God had a different plan, and but God had a different timeline. So how can I father a whole people if I can't even father one person? Family bloodlines in, in biblical time frame was vitally important culturally, socio socially, socially, emotionally, relationally. And so to be barren was devastating and debilitating. I'm sure Sarah's heart doesn't take much spiritual, holy imagination to imagine how she felt, right? Grief and shame, doubt, despair, humiliation, to say the least. That's the context with which Hebrews 11, 11 is written. In the middle of her shame, in the middle of her pain, Sarah took a variety of actions on her journey. There's 25 years between the time that Sarah was promised, Abraham and Sarah were promised a child and that God provided the child. Sarah was the age 65 when God showed up to Abram in, in Genesis 12 and gave him the promise. 
We'll see later, she had Isaac when she was 90. Six, 25 years. 25 years. She waited and waited and struggled. We're going to see that she is flawed. She's human. That even, but even in her mistakes and mess, the story of God's redemption shows up because God never gave up on her and he kept working just like he never gives up on us. While Sarah is commended for her faith in Hebrews in these verses, her story in our journey is still with as many shortfalls as it is celebrations. But it's a story of God's grace and redemption. It's a picture of the gospel. That however long you've been waiting and however long you've been rebelling against God, it's never too late to give your life to God, to put your faith in God, because God is an ever-pursuing God, amen? That we can trust His promises, even if we spent the majority of our life running away from them, doubting them, trying to anchor them in our flesh and do life our own way. God never gives up on us. He never gives up on you. He's always working, always pursuing, always loving. Whatever you're carrying, God sees you, knows you, loves you, and will meet you where you are, right here, right now. He offers us redemption like he did Sarah, and he works supernaturally for his glory through a biological miracle to do the supernatural, and that same God who did that then wants to do it again in your life today, too. God was faithful then, and he'll be faithful now, but from Sarah, the life of Sarah, we learn how to wait foolishly, and we learn how to wait faithfully. So the question that lies before my heart and your heart today is, while we are waiting, how are you living? Foolishly or faithfully? Because waiting is proactive, it's not just reactive. So here are the questions for our heart today as we ask ourselves, am I living the life of a person of faith while I'm waiting? The first question that we need to ask ourselves, it's in your notes, is this. While I'm waiting, am I fighting for control with God or am I surrendering control to God? To understand how we get to Hebrews 11 and 11 and 12, we need to understand how we got here. So turn with me, if you would, to to Genesis. We're going to do a high-level look at a couple different chapters in Genesis, beginning in Genesis 15. And so Genesis, again, is the first book of your Bible, so go all the way back to the left in the 15th chapter of the book. And we see the story of Abram pick up here in Genesis 15. Now, spoiler alert, if you're fighting for control with God, guess what? You're going to lose in probably multiple ways. So what are you fighting for control with with God today? So we saw last week, we saw last saw uh, Abram in Genesis 12, and, and he got the promise, and, and the journey continued in Genesis 12. He went from Canaan down to Egypt. He actually lied to the, to the Pharaoh there, and he said, Sarah is my sister, which is a half-truth. She was our half-sister. He left out the part that she was his wife. God spared him then, and they went back up to Canaan. He had an adventure with Lot, his nephew. They divided lands, and Lot got captured, and, and Abram went on this raid to rescue Lot, something out of a Navy SEAL playbook. It's really cool. If you've got time, go read it. And then Abram has, Abram has an amazing encounter with a guy by the name of Melchizedek who represents Christ in a lot of ways and points us to Christ, the hope of Christ in Genesis 14. And now we find ourselves in Genesis 15. Well, read with me, if you would, the first seven verses of Genesis 15. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, like many of us would say to God, this has been 10 years since the promise. Abram is now 85 years old. Oh, Lord God, what will you give for me? Give me, for I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. 
as a servant of his. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man shall not be your heir, your, own, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed, he being Abram, believed to the Lord and was counted to him as righteousness. That's a huge deal. And he said to him, God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of, from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. What a God we have. What a dialogue, right? God, it's been 10 years. I haven't heard from you. I don't have a kid yet. Are you still going to do this? How many of you are waiting for 10 years for something? Keep praying. And God's like, I got you. I see you. Trust me. I've been faithful to this point. I brought you up from Ur of the Chaldeans, and I will be faithful to you now. I am your shield, he says in verse 1, and your reward will be very great. I will protect you. You can go to God in your pain. You can go to God in your fear. And Abraham, as he believed, was counted to him as righteousness. Paul quotes this in Romans 4, which means that Abraham was, was seen as blameless in the sight of God because of his belief in the promises of God. He believed that God would do what he said, ultimately pointing to Jesus' coming. And you and I have the same way, that we are saved by grace through faith as we look back on the promises of God that he has already fulfilled in sending Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. So Abraham's belief right here is significant, and it's a big deal. He looked to the promises of God to be fulfilled. His wife, on the other hand, at this moment, was struggling. Turn with me to chapter 16. At the same time, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Ten years into the promise, she's struggling, as I would be too. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Abram, Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And then he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she, had looked, and when she saw that she had conceived, when, when Sarai saw that Hagar had conceived, Sarai looked at Hagar with contempt. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant, but behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled. Haggai fled from her. Sarai had been struggling with the reality that she was barren all her life, and 10 years into the promise, she has still not given Abram a child. And then she decided to take things into her own hands. She tried to wrestle control away from God. I'm tired of waiting. I've got to do it my way. My plan is better than your plan, God. Where are you doing that in your life today? Now, how do you think, thumbs up, thumbs down, how's this going to work out for Sarai, good or bad? Eh. How's it working out for you? Eh. Sarah's been waiting 10 years. Frustration, anger, shame, guilt, hopelessness, and maybe you're feeling some of the same things this morning. 
Trust God in the waiting. He's working. His ways are better than your ways. We often act irrationally when we are trying to fight for control and fight against God, and it often, if not always, ends miserably. Now, verse 2, Abram listened to Sarai. So Abram has his own responsibility here. He takes Hagar, they have relations, and a baby has come. His name is Ishmael. And what do we see Sarah doing? She's thrilled that her way worked, right? She's planning the baby shower. She's having an awesome gender reveal party, right, for Hagar. She's like, it's awesome, it worked, right, right? No. It says, the Bible says that her heart was filled with contempt. She disdained Hagar, loathed Hagar. She treated her horribly to the point that Hagar fled. Be careful what you wish. God might actually give it to you. Polygamy is never the answer to your problems, right? Running to another woman will never solve your problems or another man. Running to just running to another job or running to this or running to that. You're tired of waiting. I'm going to start running from it. It will not work out for you. Wait on the Lord. Where are you running? Where you need to be waiting. The real answer to our problem lies in where we set our hearts. Surrender to God. Surrender the details. Surrender the timing. Surrender the the way. God's been teaching me a very real lesson recently, which is how much I struggle with wanting control in big ways and small ways, right? Everything from, I don't get to watch what I want on TV, to when my plans get interrupted, to like, you know, whatever, and then how do you react? Angrily, potentially. And to much bigger things. Life isn't what I wanted. This wasn't my five-year ten. I didn't get what I was promised. I didn't do this, so I'm going to run, or I'm going to lash out, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I need to surrender, right? As opposed to stuffing or spewing, I need to surrender, Where do you need to surrender your heart and life to Jesus right now? Situations, jobs, futures, marriages, parenting, relationships. Because often we try to overcompensate in our own own need for control. By the way, control's a mirage, isn't it? We're never really in control. So we need to surrender to the one who is. It leads to frustration, unhealthy dynamics, lashing out, hurt, hopelessness. We see that in the life of Sarah right here. Again, she's not perfect, and I can relate to her imperfection because this is me, right? In so many ways, it's me. And maybe it's you too, but it's definitely me. Filled with resentment at God, at Abram, at Hagar. But ultimately, it's out of the overflow of her heart that those things are happening. Her own disappointment, her own discontent, her own, I'm inferior, I can't do this, I am inept, my biology is failing me, and it lashes out. And maybe that's you today. But God's bigger than our biology. And God will work in and through everything for his glory. By God's grace, he worked. God fulfills his promises we see that actually the Ishmael grows up and, and God actually creates a whole line of people through him, but our decisions have ramifications. Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael, and the people that come from Ishmael and the people that come from Isaac have had a deep struggle and relationally then till even today. So God worked 
but there were ramifications. But even in his working, we see his grace. Because we go back to Hebrews 11, right? And we see the reality of Sarah is, is giving commendation, not condemnation for her shortfall here, but commendation for her faith. Because even in her, even in her failing, God was faithful. And it didn't happen in this moment that she all of a sudden had this aha moment. She's still on her journey. And I believe that what we'll see later is that she did not put her faith in the Lord truly until 24 years into the 25-year wait when she was 90 years old. But it's never too late to put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? We see in Hebrews 11, she's commended for her faith, that she trusted God to be faithful even, even, even when her womb was shut. Here in Genesis 16, she's not being faithful to God. She's trying to take things into her own hands. Where do you need to trust God? Where do you need to surrender? Maybe like Sarah, you're taking some actions out of your own selfish interests and it's not going so well today. Power the second decision. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing, right? Repent, turn, reset, refresh. Walk with the Lord. His grace is sufficient. And we will walk with you. You're not alone. Sarah placed her confidence in the character of God. We see that in Hebrews 11, 11. That the God who promised is faithful. Will you do the same? So how do I have the power to persevere? How do I have the power to persevere and surrender? The first way to do this is this, is I need to put my faith in God's protection. We saw that in Genesis 15, 1, where God said to, Je- to Abram, I am your shield, right? Isn't that awesome? I will protect you. And he will protect you as well. It might not mean you'll get everything you want, but God will protect you. He will be your refuge and your shield in your time of trouble, in your time of need. Run to him, lean on him. The second thing is to put our faith in God's promises, both the general promises and the specific promises of God. What I mean by the general promises, like that God will do his best for you, right? His best, not your best. That he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. And what, I, what do I mean by specific promises? I mean that if he gives you a specific promise, he's gonna keep it. But one of the important things that we need to learn about this text, and it might be really hard to hear, but I hope you have general, genuine ears, and I hope you hear this, and I hope you hear the loving heart behind this, is that God specifically promised that Abram and Sarah would have a child, right? In their old age. He doesn't promise that specific promise to every single person in the Bible, right? He doesn't make the same promises specifically to every single person. Just because God can do it doesn't mean God will do it but we have to always trust God's heart in it. So we know that God's heart is for each and every one of us in this room. And even if the deep desires of our heart are not being met by the loving God, we can still trust that God is still good. Like, just read Acts. Like, there was a situation where James got beheaded and Peter got to get out of jail free rescue. Why? Does that mean God loved Peter more than James? No. Just means he had a different plan. I don't know why God sovereignly heals one person and not another person. I don't know why God closes this womb and opens that womb. I don't know, but he does, right? Part of surrender is trusting the sovereignty of God in the difficulty of our lives and realizing that God is good even when our circumstances are not. And it's a battle. And maybe you're wrestling with that this morning. I just pray that you would know how loved you are by God and that he's with you. And just like he's with Sarah, just like he was with Hagar. He met Hagar too. We don't have time to go into that, but he met her there too. So we need to have faith in God's promises. And we need to have faith in God's plan. Remember, going back to what he told to Abram in Genesis 15, 7, he says, I'm the Lord who brought you out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. And Abram's like, wait a minute, we don't have the land yet. And God's like, it's coming. Just like the promise of the kid, it's coming. 
but God, I want it now. No, the timing's not right now. How many of us are frustrated because God's timing is not our timing, right? Now, how many of us are, are, you know, as parents or even as kids, I remember as a kid, I'm like eight years old, and I'm like, Dad, can I drive the car? Now, would it have been loving for Dad to give me the keys? I want the car! I believe I can do it. You're not loving if you don't give it to me. Why is it not, why is my dad, was my dad right to not give me the car keys? Because in love, he knew I wasn't ready for it, even though I thought I was. In love, he knew I needed to be more mature and grow. Now, exponentially multiply that. How many times do you think our Heavenly Father looks at us and when we go, God, I need that job. I need this vocation. I need this. I need that. And I need it now. And God's like, you're not ready for it yet, loved one. Or it's not my best for you yet, loved one. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It means he knows what's best for you. Do you trust him? Do you surrender to his timing, to his plan, to his purposes? 25 years is a long time to wait, amen? But even in the waiting, God's working. The question is, are you trusting? Are you setting your heart on the promises of God or are you setting your heart on the physical, tangible things of this earth? We need to, again, view our circumstances through the lens of God's character not God's character through the lens of our circumstances. Trust his timing. God is never early. God is never late. God is always what? Right on time. His timing. Trust God's heart. Have faith in God's heart that he loves you, that he sees you. Read his interaction with Abram in 15, 1 through 7. We see his heart. I am for you. I have a plan for you. Even though you're wrestling with the reality that I, you haven't gotten it yet, trust me. I love you. It's coming. Be patient. And maybe you need to do that today as well. You can, I love how the process of 15, 1 through 7, Abram came to God in his mess. He said, God, I'm tired. I don't believe it. I'm struggling to believe this. And God didn't like smack him. He empathized with him, right? He met him there. God is big enough to handle your concerns and your, and your struggles. Bring them to God. Bring them to God right now. And remember, though, that as we surrender, the Lord, is not a the Lord is not a genie that just grants us our wishes. The Lord is a God that, our God, who needs to be worshipped. And worship means surrender. Surrender of my timing. Surrender of my desires. Surrender of all my resources. Surrender of my direction and my purposes to get on God's plan. That's what Sarah does over the course of her life. It didn't happen overnight. We're all on a journey, and maybe you're on that journey somewhere today. It's okay if you're not there yet. Keep struggling to believe. Keep trusting. Keep limping along. Keep sharing with your small group or a loved one. I'm struggling in this. Okay, let's go to God together about it. He will give you the strength to do this. Setting my heart on God's faithfulness empowers me to persevere for God's purposes. While I'm waiting, God's working. While I'm waiting, the second question to ask myself this morning is this, am I laughing at God or am I leaning on God? Again, when we go back to Hebrews 11 and just that, we see that by faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past her age. Why? Since she considered that word means judged him faithful who had promised. She leaned on the character of God. I judge you to be faithful. I have experienced your faithfulness in the past, so I will lean on your faithfulness in the present as I look towards for your faithfulness in the future. She's leaning on God, but it wasn't always like that. We see the story continue in Genesis 17. Genesis 17 verse 1 says that Abram was 99 years old. 99, you heard that right. Still no kid. And I just hear the biological time clock clicking for the Abram and Sarah, right? The fact that Abram was 99 means that Sarah was 90. God shows up to him. 
As you, you can read all of Genesis 17 on your own later, and basically he promises in, chapter, in 17, 1 through 14, he says, here's the sign of a covenant that you will be my people, is that Abram, I need you and every single male to be circumcised. I need you to be circumcised. As not Circumcision is the pathway to your salvation, but it's an outward sign of, the, of faith that is your salvation in your heart. And then in 15 of, uh, chapter 17, verse 15, God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name because there's power in the name of Jesus because God changed Abram's name in 17 from Abram to Abraham, from exalted father of Abram. Abraham means father of many nations. And then in, seven, in verse 15, he changes Sarai's name as well. He changes her name from Sarai to Sarah. The word Sarai means adversary. Is, 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 it means that she is one who is... Um, is not easy to get along with is really what it means, is that she fights and pushes back on different things. But Sarah means princess. Sarah means argumentative. And what a transformation. Sarah is going from a life of misery of being argumentative about God to being princess. From living in misery to being the matriarch of many nations. Now, when you look at 715, God said to Abraham, has for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah will be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And then in verse 17, Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no. But for Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Abraham's like, can't we just use Ishmael? And God's like, no, I'm going to do it my way. How many of you are like, okay, God, can we just substitute in? I know you're calling me to do something, but can I, can I change this or can I change that? God's like, no, we're going to do it my way. Abraham, uh, Isaac means he laughs, and, and Abraham literally laughed at, at Sarah. At, God's promise that at 99 and 90, that they would be able to have a, a son. They're laughing at God. And then, then, so Abraham chooses to trust in the Lord. And later on in 17, he gets circumcised. Can I tell you this? I don't think they had a whole lot of anesthesia back then and getting circumcised at 99. Ouch. Praise God that right now, the, under the new covenant, the exterior sign of a, of a relationship with God is baptism and not, and, you know, which it is. Exterior sign of an inward transformation. And then we go to 18. And in 18, and the Lord appeared to him. Him being Abraham is chilling under the tent. It's a hot day by the oaks in Mamre. As he sat by the door of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. Now it said the Lord appeared to him. With, and we know that the other two are angels. This is what's called a theophany. God is appearing in the flesh. God meets us in our waiting, does he not? He meets us in our waiting. We literally see God meeting Abraham in his waiting and his doubt right here, and Sarah too. And when they saw them, he ran for the tent door to meet them. And he said, oh Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on. You may keep going since you've come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent and said, Sarah, and get three seas of fine flour and knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and he took a calf tender and good, gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. He took curds and milk. 
and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree. Basically, he gave them the best bread, the best food. It's amazing that God always deserves our best, does he not? And then he said to him, and Abraham found the calf himself. He didn't outsource his worship. He personally worshiped. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he says, she is in the tent. Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old. They were advanced in years. And guys, when the Bible says you're old, guess what? You're old. The way a woman had ceased to be with Sarah. That means she, should, she couldn't have a kid and some other stuff. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord Abraham is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And if you have not highlighted this, if you have not underlined it, I would underline or highlight verse 14 of chapter 18. And the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, God's timing, not our timing, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I didn't laugh for she was what? Afraid. And the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. Friends, are you laughing at the Lord today? God's called me to, t- to share my story or share the gospel with this person. There's no way in the world that that person would come to know the Lord. God wants me to move there, stay here, take that job, this job, go to this school, go in this vocation. No way God could use me. I, my physical realities don't give me the capability to do to what God is calling me. And God is looking at you friends this morning and saying, well, is anything too hard for the Lord? Where are you laughing at God's call in your life? Like Abraham did, like Sarah did. Instead of where do you need to lean on the Lord? God, it's done. You can't use me anyway. I, I, I failed this. I didn't pass that. I don't have enough resources to do this, to go there. Why are you, who's the subject of that statement? Who? I am, right? I can't. You're right, you can't. But you know who can? God. We need to set our heart on God while you're setting your heart on yourself. Why are you focusing on yourself? God's like, I've called you to it. And you're like, I can't do it. He's like, that's the point. I can, I will. I will give you your abil- the ability if you give me the availability. But my shame, my guilt, my un- uh, unbelief. Can you hear? Sarah was afraid. Maybe, maybe more than anything, more than the physical, it was the emotional. Sarah's like, I'm afraid to try to hope again. <laughs> I'm afraid to allow my heart to go back to the reality that I might have a son because I can't afford to be disappointed. I can't go there, God. And God's like, yes, you can. I am meeting you in your pain right here, right now. Literally, God is present with her, is he not? He's speaking words, sir. He's promising to her, will you lean? God's like, will you lean on my presence right here? I'm right here. Will you lean on my word? I'm right here. Will you lean on my power? I can do it. Will you lean on my promises? I'm promising. It will happen in one year. Have I ever let you down before? No, God, you haven't. Well, I promise you, and when I say it, I will do it. What in your life is God promising you right now that you need to lean on him for? As opposed to leaning on yourself. 
Sarah is living in a land that wasn't her home. She was carrying the shame of being barren, the guilt of being the seeming roadblock that God's promised. God's like, can you imagine being that? God's promised my husband to do this and he can physically do it, but I can't. I am the roadblock to my husband's future. I am the roadblock to a nation. Can you just sense the amount of guilt that she carried? Praise God for his grace, amen? That his grace is bigger than our guilt. God, uh, you don't understand what I did with Hagar. And he's like, I know and I've forgiven it. I love you. Your past doesn't define you. My promises will sustain you. My grace is sufficient for you. Lean on me, God says. Will you lean on God today? But I failed you in the past, God. God says, go, your past doesn't have to define you. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. God defines you. His grace is sufficient. My shortcomings my shortcomings. And God says, I know about your shortcomings, but do you know about your Savior? That's the whole point. I am here to save you in the middle of your shortcomings, in the middle of your mess, I'm offering you mercy. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And maybe you're like, I have a sin in my past, God, that you can't forgive. Yes, he can. I have a financial barrier to do something that God's calling me to do. I, don't, I can't get the money. God's like, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, trust me. God wants us to get us in position of dependency so he can show off his glory and his power and his majesty, not just to us, but in us and then through us to those that are around us as we will see. Are you trusting in him? God looked lovingly and directly at Sarah and said this, while you are laughing at me, I am still loving you. While you are doubting me, I will deliver you. In your pain, I will fulfill my promises to you. And he's saying the same thing to you right now. Right here, right now. I don't know what your past pain is. I don't know what your past shortcomings are. I just know who our Savior is. I know who our God is. And I know that he's sufficient for you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Where do you need to trust? God is looking at you and saying, I will keep my promises to you. I will bless you so that you can bless others. It might not be in the way that you think it will be. It might not be in the timing that you will be, but I will do it, and I will do it in such a way that it's impossible for other people to look at it and not see me because it's about my glory, God says. He says, I am Jehovah. That's the name, that's, when you go back to 18.1, the word Lord there is Jehovah. It's the formal proper name for God. It's making no doubt that I am God and God is here. And when God shows up, things change. And God is here with you right here, right now, friends. That same God. God is looking at, at her and saying to Sarah and saying, you're telling me that the biology is the issue. I am bigger than your biology. I created your biology. I am sovereign over your biology. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. That same God is the God that made waters part with his words, that made giants fall down with, a, uh, with one little stone from a sling, that made the, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, that made the sun stand still, that he reigns sovereign over your situation, that he sits on the throne in your pain and your problems, that he will meet you and come to you. And if you don't believe me that God is bigger than your impossible, go watch the baptism testimony from two weeks ago where multiple people told me that that person getting baptized, God would never save him. Guess what? God did. There's a story this week of a man that came into my office and nine years ago was four years of a four-day blackout from an addiction. So he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. 
But God met him there and he gave his life to the Lord on Friday. Praise God. God is bigger than your greatest struggle. He's here to break you free from addictions for, to substances or to self. He's bigger. He's greater. He's a chain breaker, the hope giver, the wane maker. My marriage is far too, but God. I can never have reconciliation in this relationship, but God. I believe with all my heart that this is the moment where Sarah believed. You never hear her doubting again. I believe that this is her Hebrews 11 moment. After she laughed at God and God looked at her and said, is anything too hard for me? And then she chose to believe. And when you flip over to Genesis chapter 21, Genesis 21, another verse that you should highlight or underline. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Praise God, amen, right? A year later, we see God keeping his word. God does what he says. He keeps his promises. What are those promises to you that you need to trust in him? Maybe you need to write them down this week, meditate on them, have them hide them in your heart. God visited her. Again, he showed up in the waiting. He showed up. God enters into our pain. He enters into our past. He is here, right here, right now. There is nowhere that you can go from the presence of God. He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And it continues, and Isaac was born. And Abraham circumcised him on the day. And when he was eight years old, verse five, Abraham was 100 years old when, he was a, and when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet, but God, I have borne him a son in his old age. Not because of anything I could do, but guess what? Of what God could do. God let them get into a situation where only he could get the glory and so that other people would laugh with delight. Not like laugh at. You've transitioned from laugh at to laugh with. Like, look at what God did again, right? I, I begin to chuckle in my heart at what God does. So what are those things that you are considering impossible in your life that God is calling you to trust and obey in today? How do we do this? How do we lean in on God as we wait for God? A couple quick things. Just remember who and where God is. Where do we see him in the text in 18? Who do we see him to be? We see him to be Jehovah. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is the great physician. He is our healer. Where is he? He's with you. He's with Sarah. Present. And that same God is with you right here, right now. He will never leave you. But I'm too old. God says, I am who I am. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I, don't, I have physical deformity. I can't. God's like, stop telling me that I can't do what I want to do in you, through you, and for you. Who are you to put limitations on me, God says. Rely on God's word. We see that in Genesis 18 again. God literally told Sarah, his word, I will come back in a year and you will be pregnant. And he does it. Rely on his word, friends. How do I wait? How do I lean on God? I look to the word of God. Recall God's faithfulness. I love what he said in Genesis 15:5. He says it again in Genesis 22, but Hebrews 11:12, it's a reiteration of God's promises when he says, "Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, that being Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore." God called Abram and he did, he gave him the spiritual promise, but he also gave him a tangible representation of the promise. Abraham, whenever you're outside, Sarah, whenever you're outside at night and it gets dark, look up into the sky. When you are walking in darkness, look up 
of the stars, not only is that the spiritual reality of my promise to you, but it's tangible representation that I am with you in the darkness, amen? That I can look up when I'm, dark, when I'm doubting, when it's dark, and I can see that when I look at the stars, and do that this week, friends. Use the stars as a representation of God's promises to you. And that is not, not enough. And during the day, when I take my shoes off, when I'm walking and I just feel the sand touch my feet, I can remember that God's promises are faithful to me, that God's character is good to me, that he will do what he says. The tangible representation. So where do you need to recall God's faithfulness? Journal it, write it, share it. We do that in staff meeting. We do that in our family once a week. We say, what was one area that God was faithful to you last week that you want to share and encourage others? I would encourage you to do the same. Declare the faithfulness of God. Reflect, recall the faithfulness of God because the God who was faithful then will be faithful when? Now. And then rest in God's sovereignty. God knows the timing. God knows the plan. God's in control. Trust him. Friends, we wait on what we're, we value. You don't believe me? Look on, good, look on Black Friday, right? People wait all night to get some stinking Best Buy TV. Man, wait today on the Lord, not just in the confidence of what happened on Black Friday. Obviously, Black Friday is just man-made. But wait on the Lord in the reality of what happened on Good Friday, that Jesus purchased our victory. Put your full weight on it. That's what faith and belief is. Move from laughing at God to leaning on God. The key to that is looking to God, setting my heart. Because setting my heart on God's faithfulness empowers me to persevere for God's purposes. And the third and final question as we wrap up here is this. Is, the, is, is as I'm waiting, while I'm waiting, is my deepest desire the temporal or the eternal? And that's in, we see that in Hebrews so if you're focused on Hebrews 11, look at verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith. The author of Hebrews is giving a recap of, of not just Abraham and Sarah, but, but Abel, Noah, Enoch. Not having received the things that they were promised. I, I, like Abraham and Sarah died with how many biological kids? One. How many biological grandkids? Two. But a whole nation was born out of them. You and I were born out of them, spiritually speaking. Praise God for that, amen? And they couldn't tangibly see it, but they trusted to the eternal. They were willing to live as strangers and exiles on earth because they were focused on the eternal. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, verse 14. If they had been thinking 15 of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. They would have looked back. They would have gone. I had life easier in Ur. I had life easier in Haran. Canaan wasn't easy. I messed up in Egypt. I continue to screw up in Canaan. I live in a tent. Let's just go back. God's calling us forward. Why? Because verse 19, verse 16. But as it is, they desire what? A better country. That is a heavenly, a what? A better country. The best is yet to come, amen? It's a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. What are you desiring in your heart right now? As it is, they desire a better country. Are you desiring the temporal things of earth or are you desiring the things of eternity? I can wait and persevere when I desire eternity because I'm confident that God's gonna do what he says, that there is a time coming that I'm gonna go to a place with no more tears and no more pain and no more suffering and I will spend eternity worshiping face to face the Jesus Christ to take my life to live as Christ to die as gain 
I'm willing to let go of the things of this world. I'm willing to invest my money in the things that matter. I'm willing to give my time to what changes eternity. Because when my deepest desire is the eternal, I realize that God's goodness is not predicated on the tangible, but the supernatural. My God's goodness isn't him giving me what I want. It's him giving me what I need in Jesus Christ. It's that not even when my external circumstances are bad, my internal circumstances can be at peace because Jesus Christ is with me and he will never leave me. And I get there through prayer. My hope is not whether I do or I do not get a spouse or a job or a child or a house or a scholarship. My hope is on God that in and through it all that God is working for his best in me. Sanctification, protection, evangelism, ultimately glorification. And through me in a way that's supernatural. I might not get my favorite career, but he's building my character. I might get dumped by the guy or girl I wanted to live my life on earth with, but then I experience in that new levels of his grace, praise God. I might not get my latest assignment I want from the military, but when I show up, I realize that my neighbor needs Jesus and God has sent me, praise God. I live for the eternal. I learn that life isn't about me, but it's for about Jesus Christ. Friends, today, are you setting your heart on God's faithfulness? Or are you living in your own foolishness? Sarah realized both. She lived both. Today in your waiting, will you look to the Lord? Will you trust Him? What are you desiring and where are you setting your heart? Are you trying to wrestle control from God or surrendering control to God? And maybe you need to surrender your life to God. Are you laughing at God or are you leaning on God? God wants to work on you in the waiting because his best for you is yet to come. He's growing you. He's maturing you to use you in a profound way. So let him work. Surrender to him and trust in him. Know that his ways are greater than your ways. and Lean on him today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I just pray that you would move in a mighty way in our midst. That in this moment, God, we would choose to wait on you. So many of us, all of us, have things that we have not gotten yet in this world that we desire. We're wrestling with your timing. We're wondering if you're there. We're struggling to, we're struggling with control. We're struggling to surrender. And in that, you meet us just like you met Sarah. You show up. And you eat with us. And you love us even when we laugh at you. And you look at us in our hearts and you look at us in our eyes. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God, help us to trust your timing today. Help us to trust your plan today. Help us to trust your promises today. We give you our impossible. I don't know what each person's impossible here is, God. But we know that through prayer, you unleash your unstoppable power into our seemingly insurmountable circumstances and obstacles in our life to do the transformational work you want in us, through us, and for us so that you might be glorified, Jesus Christ that while our circumstances around us might change, the condition of our heart always changes with hope and peace and joy. 
as we lean on you, knowing that you who called us is faithful and you'll do it. God, help us to set our eyes on you as we persevere for you today. In your name we pray, amen.